So a friend of mine, he lives in Philippines. Mm. Okay. So he went to a like a nice island called Boracay. Mm-hmm. And um, it's paradise. I've been there. It's like white sand beach, palm trees, and has been chosen one of the most beautiful beaches a couple of times even. Mm. And um, so he went there for vacation and uh, was talking to this girl, right? And the, he told the girl that I used to live in Atlanta. I'm like, oh, okay. And the girl said, I know a guy that lives in Atlanta. Okay. Interesting. And uh, the girl said, his name is Ozer Kochtume. Okay. And he was he was like, uh, no, I'm not sure, he said. I'm not sure, he said. And then the girl <laughs> took out her phone and showed a picture. And that's Oz. Dude, do you know Oz? Yeah. And... Uh, Two random friends of mine met in this at this island, um, and that hang really out that happen- night. Did that really happen, or did you just make that up? No, that really happened, which is crazy, right? I mean, I mean, a, a small world, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's at a place like that too. Totally. Place, you wouldn't expect two friends to meet, I suppose. I got super happy when I heard about it, and uh, so, <laughs> so, um, which I saw something similar this week. A reporter goes through Liverpool and asking a question. And he asks a question to one random guy on the street. You know what I mean? Just asking a question like, do you remember a certain game at this year? Uh And this is amazing. I mean, the randomness in this, that this actually can happen is amazing. (laughs) So he just walks up to a random person on the street. Okay. All right. Check this out. What are the chances of this? Um, I'm just wondering whether you remember the Derby match in 1967 at Goodison, FA Cup, fifth round, and it was shown on a big screen at Anfield at the That's same right. time. That's right. Do you remember it? I do, I played in it. Did you? I was goalkeeper for Liverpool. Really? Yeah. Well, that's a stroke of luck, me meeting <laughs> nice. you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, can you remind me of your name? Please? Tommy Lawrence. Tommy, nice to meet you. What, what do you remember about it? It was a great game, yes. Alan Ball scored the winner. He did indeed. Yeah, he did, yeah. that's something that is just extraordinary really i mean what are the odds yeah that's what you say right what are the odds i wouldn't be surprised if a casual soccer fan were to sit and talk at a bar in san jose and remember about reminisce about uh the old days with the san jose earthquakes and some uh player walks in or some guy is talking to some guy and the guy actually played in that game and doesn't even recognize him at all even if it's just a few years previous i wouldn't be surprised if that's the case that's how anonymous a lot of soccer players are in the u.s when i met mo in columbus ohio we just were sitting at the restaurant he was playing for columbus crew people were having columbus crew shirts i thought you met him like you intentionally went to meet him yeah yeah we i mean we met him and then we were sitting at the restaurant yeah and there were like columbus crew fans but no one really recognized him yeah that's how it is you know a lot of people like that a lot of people like that is it is it is it almost as incredible as huddersfield beating Manchester United. As in, this is even more incredible. This is that. more incredible? Yeah. What, what about Giruna? I don't even know how to pronounce it. Giruna. <laughs> Hirona. 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 Beats 
the Real Madrid 2-1 at home. That was something. That's... That's almost the same odds. No? No, no, no. Nah, this is more, nah. this is bigger than that. But that's yeah. pretty close. It's so- getting there. The, the soccer ball is round. I think the first time they ever played each other, even. Hirona and Real Madrid. Really? I believe so. In soccer, anything can happen. And now Hirona has a winning record against Real Madrid. Real Madrid is, Hirona, Real Madrid is a team Hirona has never lost to. They've only beaten. Why are you looking at me like <laughs> no, that? No, I just think this is hilarious. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> I mean, they, oh, I could, uh, or sorry, Hirona have never lost to Real Madrid. Real Madrid have never beaten Hirona. That's something. I bet a lot of teams wish they had that sort of record. They could say that about Real Madrid, right? Yeah, they can go and say, hey, we at least beat Real Madrid. Not just beat them, but have never lost to them. Never lost to them. <laughs> have only beaten them. And only got one, only only received one goal. Yeah, there you go. That too. They're 2-1 up against <laughs> Real Madrid. <laughs> we scored twice as many goals against Real Madrid <laughs> than they scored against us. <laughs> And their manager is Zinedine Zidane. That's correct. And ours is... Ah, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's also incredible, man. Is it as incredible as Arsene Wenger finally winning a Premier League title again? Is it as likely or more likely that you'd meet a random soccer player from that played for Liverpool or a big club like that in the 1960s, just randomly on the street... Then Arsene Wenger winning the title again because that's what he says he's going to do, and he won't leave until until he's done it again. Seriously, I think it's more likely that you run into an old legend than Arsene Wenger winning the league. Mm. At this point, if Arsene Wenger winning the league for Arsenal is about as likely as Leicester winning the league, five hundred <laughs> to one, right? <laughs> but something we need to talk about, Kerry, is. Um, the AGM meeting. I don't know if you heard about it. It's the Arsenal General oh, meeting. Yes, yes. And um, this tension between the fans and the club owners and the shareholders is just so obvious and there's so much in discord. Yeah. Um, we... Arsenal owners were booed once they walked out at the AGM by, <laughs> by fans. And the chairman didn't uh, answer to some of the questions and called off the meeting early. And uh, the majority shareholder is is cranky. He was there at the meeting too, but he didn't even say one word. He didn't even f***ing open up his mouth and say one thing, man. And, uh, you know, how they treat the fans, how they treat the, the con- consumers at the end of the day uh, is just disgraceful, you know? No respect at all. And uh, we all know what happens, man. It's almost like a regime. It's almost like a yeah. regime now, like a dictator. And uh, people, the fans of Arsenal Football Club, are really upset and want to have a change. Mm. And this is just going towards a very, very ugly future. Like, even now, with the protests and everything been going on for a long time, it's just going to boil over. Well, you say people want to change, but then you have Arsene Wenger saying that... I don't know, honestly, he might have been tongue-in-cheek, I don't know, he might not have been serious, but saying things like how he he doesn't want... He has the hunger to, to win a Premier League title again, and he doesn't want... With Arsenal, and he doesn't want to leave until that hunger has been sated, has been... Uh, True. 
and there might be some fans that um agree with him and 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 hope that he will be that coach right yeah. but it's almost like thinking that Donald Trump will be the president that we want to be and he will never be a president that keeps the people in mind first and slowly but steady even his regime is falling and once the people have raised their opinions then something or energy or you know like something is moving towards that so I think in one way or another for everything to change uh, Wenger needs to step off Kroenke uh, too and the chairman too if not the people the fans will go ahead and do it what will they do? that's a scary fantasy <laughs> that you can just think of Welcome, Welcome to the Oz Koch King, 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 King Soccer Podcast, Podcast Show. here on this podcast we've brought up the uh girls we coach quite often yeah you 11 girls we've coached for a year year and a half now um and it's great things are going well um but one thing that's i think we might have mentioned it on an episode before i can't remember but you've also now begun coaching a high school team that's right and you just got back from practice yeah so how long has the season been going like what a I month mean, or two we've been practicing for like two months now and how's it been going so far you think be honest you want me to be honest well within reason be honest uh, like totally honest <laughs> <Yeah>. or 80 <laughs> percent honest 80 percent honest maybe <laughs> i guess a whole different sort of atmosphere a different ball game coaching high school boys mm-hmm. uh compared to 10 year old girls big difference man and before i went into it i thought that it would be more serious mm. you know like this is a high school this is a team yeah you know i would get a group of players that know how to play soccer mm. they take it semi-serious or serious they are competitive mm. you know like that's what I expected from 15 year olds, 16 yeah, year olds. I would expect that too. As le- at least, you, even if maybe they hadn't, they aren't very experienced. Right. But you expect at least at this age, they're maybe doing it because they want to. Want to. Even at 10 years old uh, or 9 years old or younger, even up to like yeah. 12, a lot of the times it's still the parents encouraging and exactly. pushing the kids to exactly. do it. But maybe by high school age, you sort of expect them, this is what they want. Exactly. So. For me, it was more about like I saw these kids or teenagers, right, um, in a practice, and uh, I was like a little bit upset, I guess, that uh, 
you know, they didn't really have any coach. Okay. Okay. So they didn't really have any good program. And I talked to one or two players. I think you were with me that time. You know, I was talking to one or two players and they were like, no, there's no coach. You know, we uh, do practices, but we don't get that many players. Mm -hmm. And uh, said some challenges. I'm like, wait a minute. This is a pretty big school. This is a big school in Atlanta, very close to where I live. How come this school doesn't have any soccer program or they have a soccer program. They have to play in the league, but how come it's not organized? Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I fall bad for these players that wants to do something good, wants to have a better athleticism, better soccer practices at school. How come that they don't have it? You know, so I started kind of dig in and, uh, eventually asked for the position to take over as a head coach uh, for the school. And um, um, after discussions with the, you know, athletic director, right. yeah. they offered me and, you know, Edson, my friend, to mm. be a part of this team. So we've been doing this for two months now. And uh, the biggest surprise for me is that, that there are so many players that doesn't really know how to play soccer. Okay, so say where we are now currently with our U11 girls. Yes. We've been with them for a while. We see they can play. Yeah. Right? Uh, some, you know, they're still developing, of course, but we see how good they can be, how potential, how high their potential is, and that they can right. play some good soccer. Yeah. So with uh, a high school, and you just said you see now that some of them don't really know how to play at all, um, what do you... Like what do you? What's your mindset going into that? How are you going into that thinking? Okay, I have to teach the very very basics with yeah. these guys, or can do? You, is there some sort of overlap with what we we do with our girls compared to what you do with the high school at all? Does that makes sense. I mean, no, it's kind of in the same level. Okay, yeah, I know what you mean. You My know, high school is the same actually. Yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, in the same level. The difference is that one group is physically way bigger. Mm. And it's harder for them to learn. And the other group, which is the U11 girls, they are smaller and they are more carefully listening to what I'm saying to them. Okay. So what I notice is that um, even though I do the same drills, okay, right, I, it takes longer time for the high school team to nail it. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Technically, nail the drill. And get some flow to it. Interesting. Even though you do have, because I've seen a couple of the players on the high school team, and a couple of them that are decent players. Right. And, and you expect maybe that that would help, I guess. But I guess it's, it takes some time for the rest of the group to catch up. So we have a good foundation. We have okay. like a good foundation of... Uh, uh, six, seven players. Solid, like the Ventus Foundation, right? Exactly. Uh, Backline, exactly. Dybala, we have Higuain. Like, we have exactly like almost like two defenders, two midfielders, and two strikers, kind of. And uh, what I want to do right now is to give them the responsibility to take a leadership role. All right. Like what's missing in most teams in U.S., especially in the youth system and up to high school, is that informal leadership that can someone in the team or someone's, right, mm. two, three players in the team that can take that 
responsibility to hold you accountable in the practice that can tell you that is not okay or tell you come on do better or come on push it harder come on faster right. like keep that level in practice high keep in mind when i was 15 16 with this as the same age as these players i was playing in the first team i was having practices with the first team in sweden um i was playing with 28 29 year olds <laughs> players at the same age as me mm. i was just i couldn't i couldn't slack i couldn't i couldn't do what i wanted i couldn't right be upset and uh, be upset and just like oh okay now i'm just gonna be upset and walk no i they pushed me you know right. what i mean they came sometimes they came and said hey today wasn't the best but next time you will do better next time i have the one of the worst slide tackles in my life you know what i mean sometimes i made amazing shots and i get like a good hug from them sometimes i missed it i said come on you cannot miss it right I was just gonna ask if you think I'm sure this is an obvious answer, but Eden Hazard going up through Lille's youth uh, program. Yes. If you ever went up against or played with someone that was a complete novice yeah. to the game, uh, I would expect no, or they're very limited, seeing as he from an early age went to Lille and instantly got that professional coaching exactly. and was with other ambitious players. Exactly. So. I know that's kind of your high school isn't like that, no, but still, right. uh, even my upbringing wasn't like that. But you're right. Eden went to Lille at a young age, had professional coaches, they knew professional they were surroundings, right. and uh, eventually he got higher up and started probably practice with the first team at a young age. And you knew what you were gonna get from all the other players, right. fellow players around him, right? Too, and I think in his case, he also hold himself accountable. Hmm. You know, you have to raise the bar for what you want to do to achieve it. You know what I mean? But it's tough. I've been in teams where, you know, like you, you just, the coach is not serious, right? The hmm. coach is not serious. And uh, you basically have players that come down just to kick the ball. I mean, they're good, but they just want to kick the ball. So... Easy when I went down with the DR to like let's say it was to the junior team just to play around. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't do hundred percent. We didn't have to. The atmosphere itself was kind of relaxed, okay. so we could go down, we could dribble, we could shoot, we could do this, we could do that. But when we played with the first team, it was so serious, and I feel like this team has been with a you know leadership before that didn't take it serious it was a very relaxed atmosphere very relaxed before. atmosphere okay. like they can't do mistakes without anyone without anyone telling them that is wrong they can just take a shot and uh, don't care about it but i mean in in my world is like minimize your mistakes mm. Hit that shot at least on target. Mm. If you don't, be mad at yourself that you didn't hit it on target. If you didn't hit it on target, tell yourself next time, next time I'm going to hit that ball on target. So my job a little bit now is to uh, get this group to increase the seriousness and the level in it. 
and by by talking to these individuals and telling them that hey i expect you to be one of the leaders in this gotcha, team gotcha i want you to raise the bar like if you start lacking or relaxing and not taking this serious then the rest will follow you because mm. they already are mm. so i need your help here i need you to step up the bar and we can have good hard practices must be tough as well because uh i guess fair to these players they may not all want to be professional soccer players yes. or get to college even You're whatever right. um i don't know what their reasons are they could have various reasons for being yep. on the team but I guess that sort of mindset, the fact that to them it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. must be really tough for them to change that sort of way of thinking. Right. I'm sure. That's why for the DDY team, I've been telling the, our girls that, look, we are DDY. We're not going to let another team to come here and play out us. We are one of the best teams in Atlanta. We are supposed to be, we were supposed to go out and give a really hard game. We're gonna aim to win. We are one of the best teams, girls. So I try to change their mentality that we are a really good team and it's going to be really hard to play against us. Mm. Give them that confidence or belief that we are one at the top. Setting that standard. It's just that standard. No team's gonna come to our place and play really good football against not us no it's gonna be us that plays really good football so have you heard of any um instances like i'm right now come, what comes to mind is alex yeah. ferguson mm -hmm. and the way he's had to deal with egos or with troublesome personalities in the locker room likes of even david beckham at a time yeah but we all know david beckham was a phenomenal player but right. uh i know alex ferguson I believe called him out one time for not having his head in the right, uh, head in the right place. Maybe yeah. thinking with all the glitz and the glamour yeah. that comes with Beckham. How do you think he would handle something like that? And how do you think that could happen with you? How do you think you could then handle something like that? A good question, man. I mean, I it's a tough to answer. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I kind of have the similar incidents happen with the girls. Too, you know, one player that is very hard to reach to, if you know what I mean. Mm. Somehow I can't reach her. Sometimes somehow I can't make her listen to me. It's been going on with the previous coaches too, but finally I think I got through her. You know, and uh, I did it through not really like talking to her, but to write to her. Okay. So you know she's been writing to me about if we have a play this weekend and such. You know okay. what I mean? Just random, Just random questions stuff. like that. Exactly. Yeah. And I've been writing to her, yes, but what I expect from her is easier to read and kind of take it in than me being on her and saying almost like, you know, putting you on the spot. But yeah. the reading is a little bit more calmer. You know? Uh, but with this high school team, man, Maynard Jackson High School is the uh, majority of the students are black. Okay. And uh, I understand that most of them um, doesn't uh, come from a real like soccer background. Right. And I also feel sure. like uh, the American football team is taking to say, over too. Let's say you have yeah. to struggle that you're not alone. A lot of, a yes. lot of uh, schools or clubs, soccer schools or soccer clubs around the country have had to Yes, and Struggle that with, feeling yeah. is almost like being in 
high school and kind of bullied or frozen out. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, here comes the big boys, get out of the field and go to that grass field over there and practice there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what I want to achieve is that I want to change and give this team a chance, these players a chance to develop, a chance to actually taste the chance to win, or at least the belief of if you put in hard work, we can get a result. Because we know, man, me and you, we know. Kiruna at home against Real Madrid 2-1. We know. So I want to take this team to go to Decatur, go to uh, Grady, give them a good game, you know what I mean? I want to give them the chance to go surprise a win. But I need to get this core of players to take it serious Take it as a real athleticism, you know what I mean? Yeah. Real workout. Right. Take it 100% focus. We gotcha. can do it. So, to end this little, because I like to end it on a high note, to end this little mini interview, which I wasn't expecting this yeah. to turn into me interviewing <laughs> you, but that's kind of how it ended up. Yeah. But what positives do you see from all? Do you see any, you know, you had Fergie's fledglings back in the day, with, yeah. and way back in the United Busby's babes, these little. Uh, gems that came up and formed like a formed the foundation for 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 the seasons to come. Do you see any? I just thought of this, Coach Demir's kids or something like that. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna it's gonna be the Coach Demir legacy that started this soccer program. Man, well the program has been around before. Okay, you. the program has been around, yeah. but it's gonna be for the first time successful under the coach of Coach Demir. Okay, what uh, what positives do you see? What positive I see is that the the eleven twelve players that are showing up, at least um, being showing up regularly right. at each practice, are ones you can count on. Count on, and even though some of them never played soccer before, don't really know the tec- technical part, they are at least coming to the practices. And as long as I have twelve players showing up. And I know for sure that more plays are going to come end of December. Mm. Then I believe that we have a good group of people that uh, I already know. And once the new players will come, hopefully to get in that mix, we can get a group that um, believes that it's possible to win. Nice. All right, we'll and see. we're going to keep doing our job and see where it leads, you know? Yeah, we'll see where it goes. But Have you had a game yet? No, not yet. yet. But it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. Can we go against the odds? Against the odds? Against the odds. <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. Big game in the Premier League this past weekend. Tottenham going to Old Trafford to play Manchester United. And Tottenham just coming off of that dominating performance over Liverpool. Yeah. Manchester United the past couple weeks, especially, excuse me, especially against Liverpool, have just been so disappointing, so underwhelming. So typical Mourinho 
boring, like we like to say. <laughs> um, and everyone, I think, expected a Tottenham win. It would be a close game. Adel Trafford as well. United always have a chance. True. But um, I think everyone expected Tottenham to maybe, even without Harry Kane, to, to go for it. But Mourinho and Manchester United ended up pulling the win. Martial scoring late on in the game. 1-0 to United. And afterwards, uh, right before Mourinho you know, did his embrace with uh, Pochettino after the game, he put his finger up. Very famous. <laughs> I've he seen put, that picture. Yeah, he had put his finger up as telling, I assume telling all the critics, I assume, or I don't know exactly who's directed at, but I could just assume. Yeah. Uh, but telling them all to shut up. Exactly. Right? Be quiet. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> classic Mourinho, one of the best managers for content when it comes to press conferences. True. Uh, had quite an interesting press conference and here's what he had to say afterwards. People speak too much, you know, calm down, relax, relax a little bit. Don't speak too much. Speak, speak, speak. You know, relax. Relax. Hmm? Yeah, relax a little bit, you know, don't be so nervous, don't be so excited. Calm, calm down a little bit. Relax, man. Relax. <laughs> Calm down. I it, just the way he said it. Relax. I is so funny because he, relax. as he says it, he gets quieter and quieter. Yeah. He's like, relax. Relax. Just relax. He's just had a whisper. <laughs> uh, you, you're right. Um, Mourinho is really good at press conferences and kind of always be known to bring more attention to him rather than the team. But I feel mm. like Mourinho is. Um, Having a, I feel like Mourinho is really good at kind of sensing the media's perspective on how the team is going, oh, and he's protecting the team and always try to keep the team in, you know, realistic or like re- always try to keep the team in a very high mood, like in a very competitive level. You know what I mean? Like we are united. I mean, calm down. Like, take take it easy. Do not do not start your articles about is it a crisis? Is it this? Is it that? You know what I mean? He kind of always kept that we are on the right way. Last year we are on a good way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But last year he didn't say that they are one of the best teams. Like upwards you know what i mean he said we're working towards it we're working towards the champions league spot we that's where we want to go and uh, i feel like Mourinho really knows the bigger picture of the media so he can take care of that pressure in his press conferences um but Mourinho is fascinating man i know i mean he's He's fascinating. I'll give him all the praise in the world yeah. that he deserves. He's one of the best managers ever. But at the same time, it's funny. If Mourinho is telling other people to talk less, <laughs> to relax and yeah. calm down. <laughs> and Mourinho probably talks more than any manager should. You think this will be <laughs> like, um, like, almost like have rappers talk and beefing against each other? You think uh, this will go something like that now? Maybe. Maybe with who? Mourinho and the press? Exactly. <laughs> Mourinho, Wenger, Conte, they all like, shh. <laughs> you know, um, but I mean, how did Mourinho really start his career? Like we know he was at Porto and did great success with that team in the Premier Liga, but also won Champions League. Mm. But 
up to that point, what was he really working with? Oh, I know that uh, I and I fall victim to this, but people forget that Mourinho did have a a career, a managerial career before Porto, <laughs> and uh, I know that maybe a lot of people don't know that, but he was a translator with. Uh, Sir Bobby Robson for mm-hmm. quite a while, even starting in Portugal with Sporting Lisbon, then moving on to Porto, and then moving on to uh, Barcelona right. with Mourinho as his assistant, his interpreter, his translator, all the way. And then including uh, after Robson left Barcelona and uh, Louis van Gaal took over. Took over. So. so he's been with... Uh, so he's kind of got his... Education through Sir Bobby Robson, but also learned a lot from Louis van Gaal. But being their communicator, one one mm-hmm. way, you know, yeah. what they say in English, he would translate it to Portuguese or Spanish. Yeah, and uh, that's very good insight to be in. You know, that's very, it's very intelligent way to learn soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of was in the boom of new ideas in these new countries, you know. Um, fascinating, man. Languages are. Oh. I speak fluently Turkish, Swedish, and English. So at this point, I'm not really thinking about what I'm saying in English. It's kind of naturally happens. Yeah. I realize that sometimes I say wrong words or, or I have wrong grammar, but most likely the person on the other side he understands what I'm saying yeah you're good enough yeah but I don't have to really chase for I'm, I'm just good enough <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have to chase for or think about words and put them together and I don't do that much um uh, uh, in I between do. I do yes so you do. a lot of uh, a lot of native speakers will will stutter like that I told Kaylee once when we watched the press conference with Bob Bradley when he was a coach for the for for Swansea, and I was like, "Hey, look at look at his English accent. Where do you think he's from?" And it was so obvious American accent, so you could tell. You know, it's very oh yeah English British. Um, you can tell the different accents, but languages, man, is something amazing. I agree. I agree. I'm so fascinated by really? language. Language are they are a window that help us perceive the world. That's what I've learned. Mm. Uh, languages have been so important in human development yeah. over the millennia. Right. Uh, ever since the first human was able to start speaking any sort of quote-unquote language uh, that it, just changed people's mindsets from the beginning. Exactly. And it's one of the biggest inventions or yeah there you go in human life because once languages started to develop we would be able to start communicating how to hunt we can express organize things, express, express things in a much exactly different way what we want what we need and obviously with languages all comes misunderstanding too yeah because there's so many languages in the world and that diversity is very unique it has its challenges it has its uh uh pros i guess cons pros is there another word for pros benefits benefits yeah there you go english (laughs) (laughs) it has its challenges it has its benefits but just i think that uniqueness of 
and that diversity of so many different languages is fascinating. It's fascinating. And you can see that in bigger cities and bigger... Yeah, big, they, they really have, you know, so multicultural languages going on, you know? And uh, when I lived in China, mm-hmm. I didn't really study that much on the signs or, you know, uh, yeah. the symbols or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I focused more on the speaking, the oral part of it. Can I communicate with this Chinese fella? Can I introduce myself? Can I tell this is where I want to go? This is what I need. This is what I want. And I learned the basics of like introduction, ordering food, ordering a cab. And you came pretty far with it. But I kind of had the interest, you know. Mm -hmm. So in my interactions with people, I kind of started to pick up the pronunciations. And I have a fascination for people that go to a new country and learn from scratch, basically. Yeah. You know? Amazing. Uh, Mourinho, how many languages does he know? Multiple. I, I, I first I thought he knew four. Yeah, like Spanish, Portuguese, of course, English, and Italian. But I've recently seen a video where he's speaking French. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know for sure how many languages, <laughs> but he knows several. That's for sure. I remember. I remember a documentary about Drogba, and Drogba said that in a halftime, uh, Mourinho. Told him in French, "I want you to, I want you to come to Chelsea." You know what I mean? And I was like, "Wait a minute, does Mourinho know how to speak French?" <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's hear how it sounds when Mourinho speaks. No, it's impossible to win the championship. Maintenant, the difference is a difference very great. It's a championship different from all the others. You have to search for the Coupe du Roi. You have to search for the Champions League. But we know. Que, que ce n'est pas facile. Nous savons que si tu fais de ça une obsession, l'obsession ne va aider. You being someone that you said you know three languages, how difficult was it for you to learn? What did you learn first, by the way? Did you learn Swedish first? Did you learn Turkish first? <laughs> <laughs> like, how does that work? Did you learn both at the same time? <laughs> I think I learned both at the same time, man. Um, I don't really remember when I was like six, seven, eight, if I talked any Turkish at school, you know? Maybe I did. I, I, don't, I just don't remember. Well, you wouldn't really have a need to, unless you were talking with your brother, I assume. Maybe, yeah. But, like, uh, how do you know the separation? You know, we always spoke Turkish at home, and then I went to school and spoke Swedish. Yeah. How could I differentiate that this is Turkish, this is Swedish, you know? And I don't really remember that part, but that is... Uh, that is something that I am so happy that my parents kind of said that we're going to only speak Turkish at home. You know, without that, I would be able to. How much Swedish do they know? My dad knows good Swedish. Mm. He has a, you know, he has a good Swedish. My mom, not really. Mm. And there's something she regrets because, she, you know, they've been in Sweden for like 30 years. So my mom wished that she could talk more and better Swedish. Um... But she hasn't been able to, you know, mm. interact that much with Swedish people. Sure. So she hasn't really been developing that well. But you know, uh, she's she's good and she can. That just goes to show how. Least. Yeah, that's. I mean, I guess knows enough. You can. I, I think it just goes to show how unpredictable learning languages can be. Um, but 
how you can live in a country, a foreign country for decades and not have a firm grasp on the language yeah. or you can live there for six months to a year yeah. and you become, you completely get it. You've become perfectly fluent in it. I mean, we see almost daily in the United States, right? Like it's like the Mexicans or the Asians, you know, they, they speak their own languages, but they also know how to speak English, yeah. you know? And my mom, she took care of my big brother and then me and DR you know, up to a certain age. So already that she was behind. I see. Yeah. You know? So, uh, so if you get into it, like into different actions or jobs, or for me, it was soccer, especially when I lived in China or in US, it's been like soccer being the way that I meet people. I yeah. get to know friends like you and can daily work on it but i realize now too since since i've been in u.s for quite a long time that my turkish is getting way slower Mm. like i understand what you're saying i know what you're saying i know what i want to say but when i open my mouth it's not as you know not as ready not ready yeah yeah and uh, i like what you said about uh how soccer is what you is how you go out and meet people and that's what that's one of the biggest reasons why I like soccer. Uh, me just having a natural interest in all these different languages, all these different cultures, yeah. and the diversity of the world. Um, soccer being such a multinational, a world sport is what really draws me to it. And how through soccer, I'm not fluent in Spanish. I'm actively learning it. Yeah. I, I may be fooling myself, but I think I can know know enough that I can get around. Really? I think. Okay. I think. Okay. That That's was a very so cool, high man. voice, but I, like <laughs> I said, I could be I could be just fooling myself. <laughs> but so, I wouldn't really be like that without soccer. It's because of soccer that I even have that interest in learning Spanish and, and other languages. How come you? How did you learn it though? Mostly by myself, particularly watching a lot of especially back in the day when soccer was less shown on yeah. Fox and ESPN and all the soccer I watched was on Telemundo, Univision and other Spanish language TV channels. So, uh, and you pick up words and then you yeah, understand, right? Yeah. Especially soccer words. I, yeah. I'm pretty good with soccer words in Spanish, <laughs> other everyday words, uh, but, uh, yeah, you just pick up stuff. I and, mean, I have a huge respect for players that goes to a new club and country and is trying their best to learn and also have press conferences in that language. Yeah. I mean, there is one funny try or attempt from a coach, David Moyes. Ah, man. He tried his best. He did, I guess. He tried his best to <laughs> speak at least a little bit Spanish during his time at Real Sociedad. I know about the B team. I know some of the players. They have been training with me. Uh, uh, Dos, tres, cuatro uh, times. And, uh, but I've not seen them play. Uh, uh, Dos, tres, cuatro uh, times. Dos, tres, cuatro uh, times. (laughs) Man. David Moyes, as they call Moyes, him, right? Yeah, <laughs> Moyes. But the guy, man, that kind of 
have done it is Ibrahimovic. You yeah. know, like he already speaks Bosnian, Croatian, and Swedish from his background. Maybe a little bit Dutch. I don't know how well his Dutch is, but a little bit Dutch. Mm. Very well Italian. Yeah. He spoke Spanish in his press conferences when he played for Barcelona. And we know how good he is at English. Exactly. And he also, you know, spoke French when he while he was in France. That's like right. He actively, yeah. actively learned the country's uh, language because you needed yeah and from what i can tell not being a native italian or french speaker or any anything but from what i can tell just listening to those interviews it sounds good he sounds like he speaks very well very uh composed and clear when he speaks let's hear one of them man Oggi abbiamo giocato bene, solo in ultimo periodo ha lasciato di due gol, ma abbiamo vinto, questo è più importante di tutto. No, pensavo 3-0, tutti hanno andato più calma perché quando sei, sei avanti di 3-0 è normale, sei più tranquillo, più piano. Learning a new language is yes. so, it can be so challenging and it's such a unique thing to, to know more than one language that you hear of people um polyglots right that know multiple languages they yeah. can speak multiple languages and i've always considered when i learned when i first learned that word polyglot um i never heard of it <laughs> uh poly, poly. Multiple. multiple yeah i don't know what glot means but <laughs> uh anyway when i first heard that word or first learned that word polyglot someone that speaks several languages i figured oh there must be so few of them in the world they're very very rare maybe uh relatively they are but you just look at any footballer and they probably know two or three languages they do they probably at least know english in addition to their native language right and seeing as football tr makes people travel from country to country and they generally are forced not always they can sometimes get away with it but often are forced or at least for respect of that country to learn that language right. then you just look at any footballer and we are we're, we are a world full of polyglots exactly no we are we are you're totally right like you have Ozil that can speak Turkish German Spanish and uh, English. English you have Shaka that can speak German um, English and Albanian and you maybe even French, I don't know, you know, but maybe. It, maybe. It, you see now the rise of uh, multicultural people, you know what I mean? It's so different back in the day. Yeah. Back uh, 20, 30 years ago when um, the this multinationalism within a country wasn't quite as common. I think you got it here in the U.S., it's particularly back in the day and still today. Yeah. But just because soccer was still a foreign sport here, so it was mostly foreign-born players or people with ethnic backgrounds that played here. Um, but that was kind of an anomaly. Not very many countries were like this. But France as well yes, was, totally. I think, a leading country in yeah. having that multinationalism. Yeah. I know once they won the World Cup, it was big news about how multicultural their, That's their right. team was. You're right. You're right. And that was a big symbol of uh, that World Cup win that yeah. people from different parts of the world can live together and strive for the good. 
you know? And the languages, man, in a game, when we speak in the game, it's um, a maximum of communication, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's even a sentence, it's <laughs> a maximum of communication, dude. You heard that? It's maximum of communication. I'm trying to, trying to decipher what you mean by that. It's a maximum of communication. I mean, in a game, you need to be very effective in your communication yeah. with your teammates. Right. You have to, with few words, tell him that someone's on the right side so he can understand what to do. Isn't it amazing how... I'm sorry to interrupt, but amazing how when we play a game... We we play yeah when we play a, a game we almost revert to simpleton like cavemen yeah so when we speak just back, ball, back, back, ball back, ball back, 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 back. Go. man man Go. man Go. shoot shoot you're right dude we using simple words but we, we get but it means so everything. many it means everything yeah. we get the understanding of the entire context and what we can do right there you know. And uh, we rarely speak about something else, you know. We rarely speak about politics or history in that game. In that game, we're talking about how we can collaborate together to get this win. How we can encourage each other. How we can motivate each other. How we can help each other, you know. And if that's the kind of the basic of this maximum communication... Yes, you need to learn French if you're going to France. Yes, you need to learn English if you go to England, you know what I mean? Yet, most of the players don't do it, and, you know, that's fine too. I'm not saying that you have to. Especially because nowadays you can't get away with it more because teams are so multicultural and have players right. from all over the world. You have PSG... I don't know. I'm sure Neymar's learning French. I'm, I don't I'm sure think so. he, maybe, but I mean, he has several other Brazilians with him, so they can he can just speak Portuguese with them. He has yeah. his group. He yeah. still feel comfortable. Exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, the day Chamberlain left, I screamed like "Hurrah!" in Swedish and "Yes!" in <laughs> English. Nah, I don't want to be too mean, but um, Chamberlain gets the question about exactly like this. You know, how do the guys communicate in the locker room, on the pitch, and on the outside, right? And uh, this long answer from him is pretty good, actually. Yeah, I guess, I guess on the pitch, it's uh, you don't really need to speak the same language to, to be able to understand what each other wants. It's more just shouting and pointing and, you know, you can get, get by just fine by doing that. Um, off the pitch in the dressing room, when you're trying to explain things to, to maybe your teammates or they're trying to explain something to you, that's when it can become a little bit more difficult, but that's when... At the start, when players first come, it's important. There's, there's generally always someone that speaks their language, so you sort of go through them and uh, do, sort of do a three-way chat and someone translates. Um, but I think that the key thing is finding, quite early on, finding a word or a few words that they understand uh, and then you just use them to, to speak to, to someone, whether it's you know a joke or whether it's to explain something on, on football. You, you find a few key words that... Obviously, they understand and, and you understand and you can communicate just using a few words and pointing and, and different tones of voice. And, and that's the way you go about it. But I think um, the sort of to keep the, the sort of camaraderie and, and the banter going around the dressing room, you, you find a few words that 
you know, they can resonate with being a joke and, and you just be shouting them out all around the dressing room all day and, and bringing ev making sure everyone's um, really involved. So we've got a lot of boys that, that do that well. Um, and I keep thinking of Danny Welbeck. He's one that he, he, uh, he has jokes with someone like Gabrielle, doesn't speak great, great English and, and they'll be joking for 10 minutes and I don't know what they're talking about, but they seem to be getting on like house on fire. It's all about humour, see, isn't it? It is, it is. If you're, if you're warm with with someone that doesn't speak your language they they don't need to uh you know to understand what you're saying to understand that you know you're close to them and they, they're important to you and the team so you know that's the way it is and i think arsenal's very it's built very nice like that it's a really nice environment for new players to come into and uh, and join the squad whether they speak english or not going off of what Oxley chamberlain said he talked about how and we touched on it as well um how when you're in the middle of the game you're in the heat of the game and you're communicating with your teammates you don't really need long elaborate sentences all the time it is just shouting or simple words and pointing in here and there but i always wonder on for example instances once there's a foul or so yeah. and the two teams come together maybe the ref is there as well and everyone's just sort of shouting or complaining at everybody yeah then then i'm wondering what especially if it's like a champions league game or something yeah then i'm wondering what are they saying, what are they saying? <laughs> what what's uh what's, are they speaking english maybe i would assume i guess english or i don't know what maybe i think they say like what what yeah maybe something very <laughs> yeah i know, I know <laughs> just saying what i know in the turkish language you say a lot of like like as a slang afterwards, you say, be, you know what I mean? Hadi be. Yep, hadi be, like stuff like that, right? So I remember like this Turkish player in the World Cup, he said, ref be, ref be, hadi be, ref be, you know? Kind of continue that, you know? Like I said, there are, this is a, a world full of polyglots. Uh, <laughs> And I think coaches, Jose Mourinho being a prime example, it's very important for them to really understand the players they have, with the, the different players they have brought into the team, um, understand their circumstances, understand the surroundings, understand the scene, the yep. uh, setting where they are. And uh, Jose Mourinho knows a lot of languages. Pep Guardiola knows a lot of languages. Jose Kostumin knows a lot of languages. <laughs> uh, and Arsene Wenger knows a lot of languages. And from a few years ago, I saw this very nice clip where Arsene Wenger spoke specifically on mm. the importance of learning languages and just what sort of impact that different languages have on can have on a person. And uh, let's hear how Wenger, who's learned several different languages, is fluent in five or six languages. Let's hear how these languages have affected him. French. German, English, Spanish, Italian, and to be Japanese. So where did you learn English? Was it at school? And can you tell us some of your memories of learning well, languages at school? I, I, I learned uh, when I was uh, 15 and 16, two years, because it was not my first language, and I just could say, I am, you are. And, uh, and when I was uh, 29, I was a football player, and uh, all my friends went on holiday to Turkey, Greece, and I felt really deeply that I don't speak well enough English. I took a, a plane, came to London, 
at, in London, I asked, uh, how can I get to Cambridge? Because I thought that's where you learn English. <laughs> and uh, I, I uh, went to Cambridge in June during my football holidays. And I, I went from house to house to see if I can have a bed and breakfast and stay there. And finally, somebody told me, yes, I have a free room. You can stay here. And I asked her, but where can I go to learn English? She said, it's easy. You take a bike, you rent a bike there, and you go to this building over there, and uh, you ask for lessons. I went the next morning. Who did I meet there? Is the girl who gave me bed and breakfast. She was teaching there. <laughs> is that why Wenger is called Le Professeur? I think so. Maybe. He does look like a professor. And he looks like he, a teacher. He looks bright. Mm. You know, um, he looks old too. True, as professors do. Yes, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Um, the serious part of it, though, is like, um, if me and you can communicate well, we have a good dialogue. You know, we kind of are on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, and as long as we're on the same page, we will have a good collaboration. We will have a good work coming out of this podcast, for instance. And uh, in even bigger pictures. The communication from what we want, what we need, what we wish for, is the best for you fans. You know what I mean? That is actually listening to our podcast. And if we're starting to be kind of nasty against you guys, I mean, we've been receiving a few emails, you know what I mean? That is actually giving a lot of credit for what we're doing. And it's fun to read them. But if we start kind of like disrespecting you or saying something against you i mean you your feelings would be hurt wouldn't they of course and through words and through what you're saying you can actually hurt people's feelings right you can harm the relationship that you have and if i start being mean or disrespecting our fans or even my teammates they their loyalty and their trust to me will be damaged fair to say and uh, for teams or club owners it's so important to have your fans backing you up your fans believing in your vision the fans trusting that you will do the right thing for the club but if you start disrespecting the fans the fans will start Fans will start using their voice to send the message of their opinion, basically. Mm. We've seen it recently from football clubs just over the past few years. Newcastle, for example, uh, they had some serious... Their fans had some serious issues with the ownership, with the leadership of the club. Uh, And now we see it with Arsenal. We see it... We see the unique... We've mentioned it a lot on the show. We see just how unique... The situation is at Arsenal. And I think I think it, it is very plausible that if things continue as they are, then Arsenal fans will reach that boiling over point. And as outside of football happens all over the world, that things start with maybe a silent, or not an asylum, but a peaceful protest. Yeah. But then it just takes a few people to really start causing physical damage. And then who knows where it goes from there. They'll do what they can to get change. The people don't, they don't 
like it once their voices go unheard. Exactly. And, and they almost do whatever they can to get a change. And, you know, we really hope that it won't get to that point with riots or damaging the stadium or whatever it could be, you know. Um, but it's also a little bit inevitable if it goes like it is. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that can help this is um, the board, the chairman, um, the owners, at least communicate, man. At least talk about what your vision is. At least try to understand the other part and try to help them out. Try to get where they want you to be before something really bad happens. Seriously. You cannot disrespect us fans. You cannot. (laughs) It's so wrong, you know? I mean, did you hear the booings? Yeah, no. You hear these booings, man. You hear in the background? I mean, this is like frustration. Booing is displeased with what's going on. And it's basically, basically unhappiness when people boo. And this can take to a totally different level. We hope it won't. Robbie! Ladies and gentlemen, I declare the meeting. Let that be your question! Penny! Robbie! Penny, ask the question! There is a film which I hope you'll share tomorrow. Robbie! Penny, ask! Penny, ask! Danny Oskin! Thank you. Robbie! Can you write in if you've got a problem? What are the odds that we would, in our lifetime, see club fans do a revolution? You would never think that in your life. What are the odds that you walk on this city and you meet an old goalkeeper that used to be a keeper for Liverpool 50, 50, 55 years ago. Yeah. Very slim. <laughs> what are the odds that two of my friends randomly meet each other in a remote island somewhere in Philippines? Ah, uh, that's also very small. What are the odds that someone knows the capital of Namibia if you would just randomly ask them? Do you know the capital of Namibia? Nope. I had no idea. Either. I feel like the only people that do are the people in that area of the world. <laughs> so, Mertesacker, Hector Bellerin, Wilshire, and Chambers were asked the capital of Namibia. This is our trivia question to you guys. What is the capital of Namibia? Namibia. There Namibia? Namibia. <laughs> Thank you, you for listening to, to the Oz, Koch, and King, King Soccer Podcast Show. Show. What's the capital of Namibia? Not clear. Namibia? The capital of Namibia is... Um, again, it's not something I, I've learned in my younger years. <laughs> Windhoek. 
Yeah, that was the one. Well done. Um, Windhoek. <laughs> Thank you very much for your questions. They were very interesting, and I'll take I'll take some knowledge from them. Thank you very much, Nathan. Well done. Best interview I've ever done.